0: All right, good to have you here this morning, and uh, good to see some happy faces. Some of you are a little asleep, though, I think. has something to do with the time change, I think. But uh, glad to have you. you in here this morning. Today is the eighth of eight lessons on the principles of money management and uh, also dealing with stewardship, possessions, and things like that that we've been able to cover so far in these Eight weeks. It's taken ten weeks. We've had two weeks of other things put in between, but glad that it has worked out for all of us. Uh, This morning, we are going to start with prayer, and then we are going to talk uh, particularly about uh, wills and trusts. Let's see if I get this right. David, we're not able to, there we go, wills and trusts, all right. So let's go ahead and start in prayer, and then uh, we'll have an offering to take when that's finished. Father, thank you for this morning and the blessing of serving you. Thank you, Lord, that you are the only leader uh, across the globe uh, in this world in which we live. Um, Number one, who, uh, uh, Lord, has perfectly planned your expectations, and then through Jesus Christ has actually met your own expectations. We thank you that you are not a dictator. You are a loving Heavenly Father whose plan before the ages began exactly what would have to happen in the sending of your Son to die for us. Thank you for that love. Thank you for your word and our language. Thank you for the truths that we can use today to help us and, uh, Lord, to direct us. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit as well as godly men and women who give us counsel. Thank you for this time we can have. Uh, bless our time together in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> I am not a lawyer. You already know that. Uh, so I'm just reminding you that what I cover today is not legal advice. Have you ever listened to some of the advertisements at the very end? They have the person speaking 100 miles an hour, uh, 100,000 words an hour, rather. And uh, they, uh, this, this thing is not going to tell I wish you'd, you know, slow it down. Let me actually hear what you just said, sir, because I missed everything. I wish I could talk that fast. And just for the fun of it, give you some, you know, legal stuff that says I'm not a lawyer, I can't give legal advice. Or that the advice given here is not any better than the next guy, which I think it should be, or I'm not up here, you know, right? Uh, but I'm not going to do that either. Um, but I'm not giving legal advice. I am giving information. And this information you can find online, in books. You can, you can do your own will and trust on your own. You can do all your legal documents on your own. Obviously, you need to do it according to state uh, laws, regulations, requirements. We'll talk about those a little bit. Uh, but what I'm sharing with you is what are wills? What is a will? What is a trust? What are power of attorney? What about power of attorney for health care? What are those things? How, do, how are they handled? What are some stipulations within the state of Alabama? Back about the first, probably, or second lesson we had. <clears throat> I actually remember walking it to show you We talked about insurance, I think. We talked about some other things. We talked about a fire. And wouldn't it be nice to have thought through over here, if a fire happens here, which is months after a decision you make, like getting insurance, will all of it be taken care of? So you take yourself into the future and the what ifs. If a fire were to take place and all of my possessions were lost, what do I wish I had in place? Well, I wish I had in place something, either a safe in the house, a safety deposit box at the bank, something like that to keep my important documents. I wish I had had a video of everything in my house maybe done once a year. And that cassette or whatever it is that we have, that CD, DVD, is held somewhere off-site just in case. I wish I had, you get the idea. So I'm gonna do the same thing here. If you were to die in 30 days, what do you wish you'd set up? And then work your way back to reality of right now, what are some things that are important to do? A will, trust, power of attorney, power of attorney for healthcare, all really important things. I'll say it now and I'll say it at the end. I've been asked before, should I get a lawyer or do it myself? The question is really, it has to be you have to look at yourself and say, are you slow going? Are you a procrastinator? Are you like, yeah, whatever. Folks, you need a lawyer, period. Don't take a chance. Because in 30 days, the Lord takes you home. You will have wanted a document or documents that are totally ready and they're functional and they're state-specific. And you can't have a half-done will without a signature. It's as though you have no will. And then it goes to probate. If husband and wife have no will and you have children dependence. Without a will, you're going to allow the state to decide who cares for your kids. Is that really what you want? So, well, you know, they'll probably choose a grandparent. Great. But what if you have grandparents that don't like each other? Then what? I've seen that happen. They argue over the grandkids. You're going to split them up. State decides, is that what you want? No. Look ahead. 30 days. If you had 30 days, what are you going to do right here? So if you're a procrastinator, I suggest you not doing your own will, trust, anything. Yeah, but it's going to cost me more. Yeah, but it will be done. If you are a do-it-yourselfer, fine. You can go online. There are two websites I'll provide for you. Um, You can pay money to, and basically they ask you questions, and they provide for you a legal document valid in your state. But you have to be a do-it-yourselfer and get on it if you don't have one of these. Most A lot of what I'm going to say today is going to be read. I'm not a guy that enjoys listening to a lecturer who reads the notes. Because I say, why don't you just give me the notes and I can go home in my pajamas and read this. okay? But today I want to be sure I get all the pieces of this puzzle and try to cover as much as I can. So I'll be doing more reading. In fact, there'll be a lot more text on the screen than we've seen in any of the other lessons because of it. All right, <clears throat> go, to, go with me to Proverbs 13.22, please. While you're looking for Proverbs 13, 23, I want to remind you that oftentimes, in fact, you see it all over. The Old Testament, the oldest son, the inheritance. We like to think that the oldest son got everything, but he really didn't. Because if you look at the prodigal son, you will find that he asked for what was his. He gets some, the other son gets some. Um, So it wasn't that one got all of it. Now you may ask, what about the, the 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 girls in the family? Well, honestly, they weren't as well cared for in the sake uh, situation of inheritance. But I won't, I won't take you to Numbers 27. But we had a number of daughters without any brothers, and they asked of Moses, um, "Can we not have the inheritance that our brothers would have gotten?" And what I really love reading about uh, in Numbers 27:1 is that Moses had no answer, so he went to the Lord. And the Lord said this, yes, they should get the inheritance. And then the Lord goes on to make a mandate. And by the way, if this happens again, other girls should get the inheritance. So we have no statement up front of this that Moses has. So he asked the Lord, the Lord says, yes, they should get it. And then the Lord said, and by the way, if this happens again, this is how it will be. The ladies, the sisters, whatever, or daughter, if there's one, gets the inheritance. In that in that time frame, you had, just by sheer nature of what the Lord required, you had the legal situation laid out for you. Everyone knew this is how it happens. In our day and age, that's not the case. We don't have it that way. okay? So we need to make sure that we tell folks in the, in the form of a will and trust what we want done. But let's go to Proverbs 13.22. It says this, A good man leaveth an inheritance, to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for, just, for the just. Now, as you know, Proverbs are things that normally happen. It's not an absolute. It's not an absolute that if you raise your children for the Lord, all of them are guaranteed to turn out for Christ. It is not an absolute that if you disciple 12 people, all of them will turn out right. Because we know that from the Lord's very situation. He had 12 disciples, apostles. Uh, Yeah, and one of them went bad. We cannot say it's the fault of the Lord or his teaching or his lifestyle or anything. So we don't know exactly how everything will turn out in Proverbs, but these are general guidelines. For most situations, they apply. But what you have is oftentimes is a verse standing all by itself. There's very little context. We're talking about Something over here in the next verse is something totally different, and the third verse is something totally different still. But in this case, we do get a little bit of context because it says, A man leaveth an inheritance to the children's children and the wealth of the sinner. We're likely most talking about wealth here, an inheritance of wealth. But I do want to remind you, there's there's another inheritance as well that we can leave our children and our children's children. And that is the memory of godly example you as a parent, you as a grandparent, you as a great grandparent. Yes, you have you may have the financial ability to leave an inheritance, but what about yourself? You're going to die and go on to glory someday, but what do they think of when they think of you? Have you left an inheritance of someone who's moral, a godly person, a loving person, all those. That is outside the context of this verse cuz it's likely talking simply here about money, but I'm just giving you the other facet. You can if you have no money to give and leave, you can still leave something even more important. A godly example. In this context, we're talking about wealth. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. You can do that in a number of ways. I know a gentleman that was quite wealthy. He, allowed, he paid for his grandkids' education to a certain college. If they went to that college, they were fully covered. That's an interesting inheritance that was thought up ahead of time by this gentleman. What he did, he gave it in his lifetime, is what he ended up doing. <clears throat> but nonetheless, he's taking from his reserve an offering as an inheritance element to his grandkids. Interesting idea. Of course, in his lifetime, if the college went bad, he can change his choice of colleges. That's just fine. But thinking about not just your children, but your children's children. So there is something to be said about inheritance. You can uh, Someone said, give while you're living so you know where it's going. That's not a bad idea. Not wait till you die before you start giving out. And not giving out huge sums of money, but maybe a little bit to each of your children who are adults to see how are they going to use that money. You can watch how they use that money now to decide how much of your money in the future are they going to get when you pass away. So lots of interesting things to think about. But certainly a will and a trust in these other documents are exceptionally, exceptionally important. Uh. There we go. It really comes under the guidelines or the topic title of a state planning. There's wills, there's trust, there's a power of attorney, there's advanced health care directives, or power of attorney for health care is another word for that. Also probate, which is the legal piece that validates the will and then processes it. Um, it validates that it's accurate. It validates that you have the right number of signatures. Each state will dictate how many signatures you have to have. It'll take a look at the document, and if you stapled it, it'll look to see if any of the page if it has been restapled. because if it's been restapled, it may mean that someone has pulled a document out, inserted a new one in and restapled it again. It looks at that kind of stuff to validate that will, the signatures and so on. That's probate. Um, So there's a lot of things that fall under estate planning. We're just going to cover some of the many. Okay. I'm sorry. Actually, on this one, Dave, you may want to pull this close. and We'll do it if you can. Uh, Yep, like that. So some have asked me, what's the difference between a trust and a will? Do I need one? Do I need both? We'll talk a little bit here. Uh, A trust takes effect while you're alive. What you do is you create the trust... And then you place items that are uh, governed by the trust into them. And here's how you do that. You you retitle them. Like, for instance, your mortgage, your house, rather, may be in the name of you and your wife. You will rename it. You'll you'll retitle it that it is part of the trust. It's still both of yours. You still pay the mortgage on it. You still pay all the costs for everything. But it has the name of the trust within the title of the document. Uh, Within the, uh, like, Whatever. Of the item, okay, so while you're living, you begin to add things to the trust that you built so that they fall under the guidance or guidelines of the trust. A will, however, takes effect at your death. It says, "When I die, do this. There are wills I have one of them that really can engage your trust um, or, or there's another one that creates I don 't have this it creates a trust at your death. Uh, A living trust will skip probate court. We'll talk about that. A will goes through probate court. A trust is harder to change. A will is easier to change. A lot of that has to do with how large these are. Uh, My will is two pages. My trust is 20 pages. My will does very little, actually. My trust does the majority of everything I need done. Uh, A trust does not involve guardianship. In other words, if you have children... Uh, or anyone under your care, um, you cannot tell in a trust who's going to care for them at your death. A trust is really for the ownership and financial pieces, not for the relationship pieces, and a will has to do that. So if you are in here and you have children, uh, like under the age of 18 or whatnot, uh, you will necessarily need a will to dictate who will take care of, who will become the guardians of your children. Uh, a living trust is not, in, uh, I'm sorry, uh, assets are transferred immediately as you put them in, they become owned by the trust. A will transfers assets, um, it can take time, and it's kind of after the fact of your death, of course. A living trust stays private, not a public document. When you decide who is going to handle, the trustee is what they're called, who's going to be the trustee of your trust when you die. They take over, they don't have to share any, anything with anybody. Your will is a public document. Everyone can see everything in it. A trust can involve expensive fees. A will it says is affordable. That all depends again on whether you do it yourself or have an attorney do it. But obviously the biggest thing is to have it done. That's the major, major important piece here. Okay. Um, it seems like this may put these two documents at odds with one another, but it's really not that it's really not the case. They they can work together or they can work separately. Whether you need one or the other is really dependent upon your personal situation. Okay. Um, let's look at the next one here. <clears throat> and this is where we get a lot of words. Okay, I've tried to make them large enough, but a will or trust are both. There are certain advantages to each, but as you'll see later, they might operate best in tandem. Some people choose a trust over will because of the fact that trusts aren't subject to probate proceedings as long as all of your assets are held within. So you can begin to work on the trust, distribute money immediately. You don't need a court involved in any of those proceedings whatsoever. Uh, It is a valid document. Uh, The trustee that you've chosen, you may have already given them a copy of it, so they have it. And then subsequent trustees, if that person dies before um, they're able to take on the responsibility, you have a subsequent trustee. This means everything isn't out in the open. Your assets and financial records won't become public record. There's no court supervision needed. If disputes arise, that's really important. If you've got family members, this is a tough one. If you've got family members that you know will fight, they want, you know, you just know that you said to one of them, you can have the piano, and later you said, you're going to have the piano. You told them, you're not going to have the piano. Now they both want the piano. You're dead. You're not around. A trust, they have no. There's nothing they can do about it. It's not a public document, and your trustee decides that, that the trust said they get it, so they get it. There's no court supervision. Uh, your, trust, your successor trustee will manage it all. Next slide here. Uh, a will is going to almost always be less expensive to prepare than a trust, and it's done when it's done. While your trust will change as your life goes on, you'll be adding and removing. As you sell things, they'll come out of the trust. As you buy things, you'll put them in the trust. This means the ongoing development of your trust will come with additional expenses. Not much, honestly. There's not much, but that is, that's going to be the case. Because you manage your trust while you're still alive, you can continue to transfer your estate into your trust over time. However, anything you leave out will go into probate unless you arrange for them to go into your trust upon your death. By the way, you can do this. Part of your will can be, oh, by the way, Anything not covered by my trust now goes into my trust. It's kind of like you're covering all your bases. You've got a safety net to do this. People sometimes choose a trust over will because you can make provisions to your trust for your estate if you become incapacitated. And we'll talk about that. While your will cannot unless you have a power of attorney, trusts typically are much more specific in these manners, However, with a will, you can name a guardian for your children, but with a trust, you can choose someone to manage the assets you've set aside for your children until they come of age. It's not unusual for a trust to say, when we die, we, don't, we, we want our, our items liquidated. For instance, I want my house sold. Now you have 250000 But the trust can say, but unless my kids are 25, they don't get their share yet. Or unless they're 30, they don't get their percentage yet. So that you dictate. It, either of these, a will or trust, can take someone out of your inheritance line. You may have a, a child who is unsaved, who is living a life that you know, if you gave them a large sum of money, it would go to things that are not good. And it is possible to keep someone out of a will by simply failing to name them. You would say, child one, child two, child three. And child three, four's rather name is not in here. If you, get, uh, if you set up a will and uh, you've uh, you know, you got two children and you like to have four, you don't have to name the future ones. You can just say, and subsequent children, and then you can tell in the will, I want these, my distributions divided equally. So you, you built the will with two kids, you now have four. You name the kids in the will the first time, you know Junior and Sally or whatever, you've had two more. So you I have four, you can say I want Junior and Sally to get it, and subsequent children all get an equal share. So you divide your estate by four, and each of them get the amount equally. So that's how you can handle it, so that every child, you don't have to be doing a brand new will every incident. Okay? Uh, and this I got from uh, purefinancial.com. None of this wording is my own. I'm giving credit to someone else because they did a fine job with that. Uh-huh. Let's talk about a will then. In the state of Alabama, you must be 18 years or older in order to have a will, uh, create a will, and uh, for it to be a valid document for you. You must be of sound mind. This is why I had a, a lawyer do ours. Not just kidding. That's not true. I'm just kidding. Uh, be of sound mind. You've probably heard, you know, this is my last will and Testament, so-and-so. Being of sound mind, you've heard the phrase, right? A will must be in writing, signed by you. And by two witnesses this is for the state of Alabama some states require three signatures if the testator that's you is unable to physically sign his name or her name he may direct another party to do it for them this party may not be counted as one of the two required witnesses so you'll get three people one where you cannot sign and they sign for you And then the other two people are going to sign, they're going to have their name, uh, the signature line, you're going to write in their name, I'm sorry, a regular line, you're going to write in their name, signature line, they'll sign it, and then the address. If ever their address changes in order to validate it through probate, which will, will be validated through probate, it's not a bad idea to just slip a document. Wherever you keep your will, slip a document in there that says, here's the current addresses of these people. It's always a good idea to make it easy for those, after you pass away, to validate these people that have signed your document. Each witness must, be, must either see the testator you sign the will, or be told by the testator that the signature on the will is his, and must sign the will in the testator's presence and in the presence of the other witnesses. So theoretically, I could sign my document and bring in my signature, guys, later. But I'm going to validate and say, just let you know, guys, this is my signature. And then they will sign it. Will best practices. While a handwritten wills are no less legal in most states, a typewritten one is far more preferred, particularly, no offense, but if you're a doctor and you have terrible handwriting. So, get it typed out. Number each page of your will. In some states, you must initial each page of your will. Normally, it's a single line, small line at the bottom. Just signal, you just put your signature or quick little initials at the bottom of each page. And I mentioned this you cannot have staples removed. If you staple the pages, don't remove them. It will appear that someone altered your will and may void your will. It's always a good idea to keep a couple copies, maybe one at your house and one in a safe deposit box. But here again, if you're gonna use a safe deposit box, you gotta think ahead. If I die, who will know where the key is? And you gotta decide over here, okay, I'm gonna give the key to so-and-so or whatever. Make sure your bases are covered and make it easy to find the documents and deal with these things because someone is gonna spend a lot of time on your will. Now it's slightly easier, actually it's much easier if your will basically makes your spouse the person that manages things at your death. Particularly if your house is both in your name and your cars are in both names and your all your other possessions are it's very simple. It's just an it's really not giving ownership to the next person because you already have both of you have full ownership. You have full ownership over your home and its decisions, your cars your bank accounts, but do remember there are some accounts that are only in your name and they have to be there, like, like for instance, your retirement IRA. An IRA is an individual retirement account. It's in your name and your name alone. So what do I do in that case? Well, you can include that document in a trust, for instance, but you're, you're normally required when you open up those accounts, you have to choose a beneficiary. And normally the beneficiary will be your wife anyway. So you're kind of doing double duty. Your, your IRA is giving rights to your wife as the beneficiary of the funds. And your trust should say the same thing. Keep everything in line that way. It should say the same thing. Um, The probate process. This is something that the will goes through. Again, it validates the will, and then it makes distributions according to the will's directives. The word testate. This means you die with a valid will. This uh, this is actually a uh, for some of you that like etymology, right? Which I do. It comes from a Latin word meaning bear witness or be witness. So it means you die testate. You die with a valid will. People know what's going to happen to your possessions, what you want done with them. <clears throat> By the way, wills and and uh, trusts are great because you can specify exactly. I want the grand piano to go to and give the name. Whichever the documents you use, you can give exact details. I want all of my crown jewels to go to somebody, right? Um, and uh, with a will, it could be that you have someone that said, "No, Dad said I got the grand piano." In a trust situation, there's no legal piece involved. Whoever the uh, the trustee says gets the piano gets the piano. Period. If you if you die intestate, you die without a valid will. Okay, you have no will, and therefore, the court must decide what's going to happen to your possessions. Now, normally, there's a legal hierarchy. Um, a husband dies, the wife gets it, um, then the kids, and so on down the line. Now, not every family is that clean. One husband, one wife, four kids. Sometimes. With a divorce situation, you now have two wives in the mix. One was prior, one one is a current, which makes it even more complex. But you've got to think through those when you're building your estate package. If a person dies while a will, the beneficiaries cannot dispute the court's distribution of that person's estate under the intestacy laws. Even if that person expressed different wishes verbally during their lifetime, the statutes control the distribution. Without a valid will, a person can legally determine um, how their property will be distributed and to who, or with a valid will. they can do that. So if there is a dispute, the law decide the, the, the uh, lawyers and the, the judge rather, will decide who gets what. Things a will cannot control. Who receives your life insurance proceeds? Your, you set your beneficiary through your policy. Who receives money from your retirement accounts? That's already set up for the same reasons. You have someone that's gonna get your uh, account balance, and you've already given that over to the company that manages those assets. Joint checking and bank accounts go to the survivor. Joint real estate goes to the survivor. Joint properties such as cars typically go to the survivor. These documents are really, really important, if you want to look at it this way. If both of you were to die in a car accident at the same time, or it wasn't determined for sure who died first, your, your will may actually say this, something to the effect of, if we uh, passed away or whatever at roughly the same time, for the sake of legal, let it be the husband that died first. and sets in motion all the next pieces. So, it's not as difficult when one of the family members, husband or wife, passes away. All these other things just kind of move naturally into their place. But then, when that spouse passes away, everything changes. There are no joint accounts necessarily, or joint real estate, joint property. Now we move on to trust. This is the larger, typically the larger of the two documents. If you are using both, it will be. Unlike a will, most trusts take effect as soon as the witnesses sign it. It is now active, and then you begin to rename your assets and place them into the trust. You create a trust and then place your possessions in it. For instance, your home should be part of your trust. Your bank accounts can be part of it. If you have a will and a trust, you might uh, the tr- the will might be, say, two pages, and your trust might be 20 pages. A testamentary trust is a trust that's created after death in accordance with the directives of the will. And so the will kind of initiates a trust happen. A trust can cost thousands of dollars if you use the services of a lawyer or hundreds if you do it through software such as available online. A will may be typically hundreds, Uh, a trust will be up to thousands. Um, My story on this, I was I'm very much a do-it-yourselfer and uh, I remember when we had a trust and a will created for us in Wisconsin under its laws. I had already built the whole thing. I did a trust. I did everything myself. At that time, we didn't have online anything. I bought a book from a place called No Low Press, and I created everything. And then I knew of a, of a, of a uh, attorney in the Milwaukee area, and I called him and said, my wife and I would like to come by. I'd like to pay you to review the trust and stuff I've done. He said, I have a better idea. I'm going to be up in your area. Why don't we meet? Now, at that time, I think trusts were, they were, they were you know, Two, three, four thousand $4,000 or something like that. And then a will was something else. A power of attorney was, you know, just add on all the costs. And we met for a short amount of time, and he actually didn't even look at my documents. He said, Here's the deal. Here's what we'll do. You come down to Milwaukee, we'll do all of your complete package for $1,200, I think it was. So we got a will and a trust, power of attorney, power of attorney for health care. There are a number of other, do- I think we had seven things, the pack this big for my wife and I. I said, okay, we'll do that. So they began to ask lots of questions, which they have to do, realizing that uh, lawyers have the package. They ask the questions. Everything's pretty much already built, and it's fill in the blanks after that. As long as the end result is legal in your state, they basically, it's a questionnaire situation. So are the software available now online. They know your state, and they begin to ask you questions. And then you fill in the blanks. So the pricing is different. But a trust and a will are at least two things that are important to look at. Uh, some, some quick things here. Trust and wills, trust and wills. Okay, trust. Uh, which of these names guardians for your minor children? A trust will not, a will is going to. Which require a probate court? A trust will not, a will will require it. Can be revised. You can revise both of these unless you build what's called an irrevocable trust. Then you're stuck and locked in. Uh, private or public, trusts are private, wills are public. Tax benefits. Well, there are no tax benefits for either of these, but an irrevocable trust, there can be tax benefits, particularly if you're doing it to charity. And there are, there are other trusts, a charitable remainder trusts and some other trusts specifically if you're charity, and you can get a tax deduction right up front, but you can't change anything you've just set up. It's locked in stone. Creditor protection, neither of these have creditor protection. Unless you do an irrevocable trust, which we're not even talking about that today. What I'm talking about in this setting is what we call revocable trust. You can change the trust over time, do a new trust and the old one is obsolete, or do a new will and the old one is obsolete. Assets to include in a trust. Uh, real estate is one of them. And you're, you're, um, you're going to do a quick claim deed. Change over the title name of your home from you and your wife to the trust, which, by the way, you are automatic trustees of your own trust. So nothing changes. All your obligations are the same. Your mortgage, you're still going to have to pay, insurance pay. There's absolutely nothing that changes. You are the trustees for a trust which includes your home. Personal property like motor vehicles, boats, RVs, mobile homes, anything where you have a title document to it, you just get a quick claim deed, and you change the, the owner to the trust. Again, your trustees, everything stays the same. If you want things covered by a trust and the benefit of keeping it private, the benefit of not having to put it through probate, you have to put them into the trust, and that's what we're talking about. Other personal property, like your, we, we call all household goods, right? In, in your trust, you may state something about all household goods. You're not going to name them, they have, no, they have no title to them, but you can name them independently and do it in what you want. You say, all, all my household goods are in the trust. Well, remember the video you took way back over here? All that stuff is part of the trust now because you simply said it. Financial accounts typically have your assigned beneficiary listed with the institution, but you can certainly match them. Even though the institution will have your beneficiary, you can in your trust name the identical beneficiary as a recipient in the trust and you're good to go. There's no complication in that at all. Now, two other important documents. Something called a durable power of attorney. In your lifetime, you have known somebody that say through process of sickness, as in health, Accident, as in a car accident or something, has become incapacitated. They're unable, and the medical profession has said they're incapacitated. They've been certified incapacitated. You're in a coma or something. You cannot make medical decisions for yourself. You cannot make financial decisions for yourself. We have something initially called a durable power of attorney. Who will act for you when you are certified as incapacitated? We're talking about the payment of bills which means you have to have accessibility to a checking account or debit card use. Without being illegal, you must be listed as the power of attorney for this person, and then that's all legal. They've already said, if I'm incapacitated, this person will manage my affairs. Payment of bills, securing or paying debts, literally buying and selling homes or whatever, managing your business affairs. Very important to have. Now remember this, as I said, when a husband and wife jointly own some of these things, this will not be a problem. And this doesn't even come into play. So you got a home and the husband dies. The wife is listed on the home. We don't have to worry about a durable power, power of attorney. We, we don't need someone else to come in and manage. We have the wife or if the other happens, we have the husband to manage. That's perfectly how it should be, right? But when both have passed away, here's where this really comes into play. Or uh, in a situation where, um, um, actually, in this case, sorry, the, the wife, the second person, or husband hasn't passed away, they become incapacitated. That's where this comes into play. Power of attorney for health care, slightly different nuance, specifically for health care. By the way, if you go into, her, into a, a hospital, they're going to ask you these kind of questions you probably have to fill them out. You know, things like, uh, do you want to be resuscitated? Or, who's going to make a decision if you're not able to? And so on. This is where the document comes in. They may ask you to sign a separate document if you're going in just as, you know, you're, you're clear of mind and you can sign a separate document. But they should be pretty compatible. Who shall speak for your health care when you are certified as incapacitated? Do you want to be put on a feeding tube? You want to be resuscitated. Do you wish to be admitted to a nursing home? Those are the kind of things that are really important. It's not enough to, for someone to say, yeah, grandpa told me this. The, the healthcare providers don't want something called a lawsuit, so they want this stuff in writing. Cost. The cost of a will can range from free to thousands of dollars. Cost of a trust can range from free to thousands more than a will. Depends on the size cost of each depends on whether you will create one or both of these for your needs as i mentioned it's not unheard of to have a very small will and the will primarily basically says here's where my children here's who i wish to care for my children and it may kind of reference the trust that's running alongside of it that has been running for a lot longer because remember The will is only active at the moment you die, but your trust has been active for maybe years and years and years. So the trust, or the will rather, may be very, very small, one or two pages, and that is it. Your trust may be many times, you know, many times, ten times larger in, in page count. It just depends whether you have one or both of these. Again, seek out services of a competent lawyer. Someone asked me recently, do I know of someone in the area that's a competent lawyer? I know of only one lawyer personally. Um, he does wills and trusts. He's in our building, actually, at the mission. But I, I, don't, I don't know much more than that. I know him. Uh, he's a believer. I know that. Um, but I, I, I cannot say I have recommendations to give. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, there's also the do-it-yourself. And you can go to nolo.com. That's the place where now they offer things online. And When when we were younger, I used a book of theirs to do my wills and trusts initially, or LegalZoom.com. I typed in LegalZoom.com recently, and I think you need to have HTTPS instead of HTTP or something. So anyway, if you can't get it by typing LegalZoom.com, Type a search in a search engine, do legal space zoom, and you'll find it that way. But they have online or CD DVDs for doing it yourself. Again, whether you use one of these, whether you choose to use a lawyer or not, has a lot to do with you as an individual. Are you going to get it done? That is ultimately the thing you've got to consider. And how long is it going to take you? A lawyer may have it done in two, three weeks. Depends on how complex your estate may be. Um, um, So you can get it done very quickly. It's going to cost more. But if you're a do-it-yourselfer and don't mind sitting down, I'm going to sit down on this Saturday. I'm going to do as much as I can. I'm going to try to finish this thing, then that might be you. All right, our time is coming up. I would ask for questions, but this is the the one session I don't think I should do that with. (laughs) I think I may get more difficult questions that I can answer and certainly ones I probably can't answer within the time frame we have. Uh, it has been a pleasure to be here for eight weeks. Uh, I don't know uh, where this class will end up as far as what Dirk has next for here but I'm sure he'll uh, choose a good uh, teacher as we've seen in the past but thank you very much for for sticking with me on this. Uh, there, is a, there is a funny um, show, it's called Car Talk, it's on NPR and all they do is deal with car issues. And it's extremely funny and great. And they always end it with something like, well, now you've totally wasted the last hour of your time. I hope you don't feel that way. But in humor, that's okay if you do. So let's close. Father, thank you for the time we've been able to spend together. And uh, Lord, we are blessed to know that your word speaks of these type of things and the needs that we have to think about future generations. And how are we helping them? Um, Are we helping them with our finances in some way now? That will benefit their spiritual walk in the future? Are we helping them with our lives today? Are we setting a good example in that portion of inheritance? Do they, If we pass away, will they see us as someone who loved them, cared for them, and is an example, even in our absence, of what godly people are like? Thank you for giving us your word that we may pattern our lives after it. In Christ's name, amen.